0: I've uh, not taken breaks on this podcast or gone periods of time without doing one. Uh, But uh, hey, we're back and it feels good. Uh, Hopefully everybody's doing well out there. I think uh, most of you realize um, this is more of a a hobby for me or I don't know. uh, Just uh, I don't know. Maybe you could call it a passion. And as long as uh, I can speak and uh, maybe follow cards somewhat closely, I'll do these. I don't know how entertaining they'll be. I don't know how many listeners we have or will have in the future, but uh, certainly appreciate anybody tuning in right now. And On the next show, we're not even done. I haven't even like started today's show. I'm already trying to pimp next show. But on the next show, I'm going to try – I'm not even 100% sure on this, but I'm going to try um, to get a collector on that went to the expo in Canada – and they're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about just, you know, maybe get some Canadian perspective. Because when you're here in the U.S., you think the whole universe revolves around uh, the 50 states or the 49 states. I don't even know if we, we think about Alaska that much. But, um, you know, there's a whole different world out there, and it's uh, I think it'd be interesting to get some of that perspective. So we'll be doing that shortly. But on today's show... What we're getting to right now. I have some things here. I, you know, I planned to show a while back. I have Michael Carter Williams down here. I was going to talk, talk to you about after seeing his games. Like, I didn't really like his game. Uh, Philadelphia really doesn't have any players. They have, like, Evan uh, Turner, who's a pretty solid player and has been playing well now that Michael Carter Williams is hurt. But... Um, I'm going to talk about how, you know, a couple months ago I got on here and talked about how, Hey, this football looks pretty, pretty weak. And here we are. I don't know how many weeks we're in. I think the Bengals have played 10, 11 games. So we've only got five games left, six games left, something like that. I mean, we're at Thanksgiving, so we're getting close to like crunch time here. And uh, I know a lot of people were expecting, uh, some rookie to step up and be an amazing player. And maybe that'll happen in the playoffs or in some of these really big TV games like uh, Thanksgiving games or, or some of these key late-in-the-season playoff-type matches. But we haven't had that guy that's kind of gripped the rookie of the year or gripped a starting job and really kind of blown things away like several rookies seem to do uh, over the last couple of years, not just last year. But, you know, you have had Julio Jones and A.J. Green. It wasn't like they were that bad uh, their rookie years. They're sure of a hell a lot better than Davon Austin and a lot of these other wide receivers uh, that have come out. You know, Giovanni Bernard, I've obviously seen almost every one of his games and uh, he shows flashes of brilliance, but then I've seen him, you know, in key spots of the game, uh, these last two overtime games that the Bengals lost, uh, he was out. He was on the sideline like breathing heavy. I think he has maybe like a bruised rib or yes, something. Um, that is is hampering him a little bit. And that's not really his fault. That's the nature of the game. But, um, you know, he really hasn't, you know, he's not going to rush for, you know, 1,800 yards and 25 touchdowns or anything crazy like that. Certainly hasn't been any quarterbacks. I think Geno Smith is going to be a backup in this league the Jets are going to find another quarterback or they're going to you know he's not the answer to their problems and uh, several other quarterbacks just don't look like they're going to be the answer to the problems this season maybe two years three years they develop it just doesn't happen that way in the NFL very often you know what I mean like look at Christian Ponder look at Jake Locker look at Blaine Gabbert I mean did they progress? You know, we're in year two, three of their career. Did they progress? Have Cam New- I know Cam Newton's having a better, his team is doing well now, but are his stats as good as as they were his rookie year? No, I don't think they are. Uh, maybe certain stats, but he's certainly not uh, setting records and doing things like that. Um, so that's just what happens in the NFL. And uh, it's a tough buying environment. It's not a tough buying environment because everything should be on discount. You shouldn't be feel pressured or anything like that to buy any of this football or any of this basketball because it's just really really weak this year especially if it's all just rookie crap. Um these all these cards are going to be $2 $1 cards when these next rookies come out. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about on today's show, kind of a hybrid of things, you know. We've got this year where ooh it kind of sucks and I was even looking back at baseball. I have a, a I'll be coming out with like a little video and a report on all of last year's baseball products or most of them uh, ma- manufactured by Tops, and where their prices have gone and some other things. And a lot of it's gone down. I mean, you know, I, some of the a lot of the Bowman products, not a lot of them, but some of the Bowman products have gone up a little bit. Bowman Inception Baseball, Bowman, regular Bowman Baseball has gone up a little bit or has kind of held its price. I think Topps Heritage was about the same price as it was wholesale. But a lot of this stuff, like WSBC uh, Tribute, was like a $200 box wholesale. That went down quite a bit. Um, Topps Archives wasn't that good. Gypsy Queen wasn't that good. Um, And then there's, it just kind of goes down the line. Um, So, you know, baseball was kind of rough, we got this rough patch in uh, basketball and football. There are greener pastures on the horizon now. I'm sure you all are aware of the college football and certainly now with college basketball being played, we've got some incredible talents and some guys are going to be getting a lot of hype. And probably a lot of playing time and a lot of opportunity in the NBA uh, to become a legitimate star. You know, Michael Carter Williams, you know, he might progress into a really good player, but he's a ways away from that. He averaged like, I think, 12 points in college like his last year there. You know, guys don't just come from college averaging 12 to averaging, you know, even 16, 17 points in the NBA, let alone 20 25 30 where the elite guys are um do we have rookies coming into the nba next year that could average 30 right off the bat probably not i don't think we've seen a rookie do that in a long time maybe shaq maybe i don't know but it it takes you know i don't even think lebron james averaged 30 not too many guys average 30 you got to really be the be a great, great player and your coach has got to be willing to let you go off for a 30 every night because there are going to be some nights where you, you suck and some nights you go off for 40. Um, but there are going to be some really good talents, some some talents people are going to be really excited about in the NBA. And I think the NBA really needs to be leveled out a little bit to go on a side tangent about the NBA. We see the the Warriors just blowing teams out sometimes. I've seen some other really lopsided games, Miami's games, uh, they have some injury issues and D-Wade's sitting out some games. They could be blowing out teams probably a little bit more. They don't have a whole lot of depth, but they're better than a lot of teams. Um, it's just, uh, you know, Oklahoma City I've seen do, do well in some games. You know, it's it's it would be good for the NBA to get an influx of talent to some teams that really need it. Um, but my point is... Essentially, we have this gap here where we had kind of a soft baseball year. You know, we had Puig, but he wasn't in a whole bunch of the products and he was really hard to get. And people realized that. And, and rookies don't really like boost it boosts baseball to a certain extent. But a lot of the other content in there boosts baseball. You have a lot of set collectors, a lot of people that are team collectors also for baseball. So um, certain years certainly are good. Um, I think baseball has less downside risk. That's why you don't see boxes tank all the way down and they got to do all these black Friday promotions and they got to do all this, all these Damian Lillard promotion to sell boxes essentially um, that aren't moving for the price that you need them to move. Uh, So you don't see that in baseball as much. I think it's a little bit safer product line only because baseball cards it it defines the genre. I mean, it's baseball cards. Um, but we've had a rough patch here. We've had a rough, oh, rough stretch. Football, I don't think, is it getting any better. Sure, a rookie might pop off in the playoffs or pop off in the Super Bowl, but it might be a little too late. I mean, you're not going to be able to just – maybe you're going to be able to rush out boxes, but the wholesalers adjust their prices on this stuff too. That's where you're kind of handcuffed. Unless you have this stuff all stockpiled in your cabinet or in your store, or in your warehouse – uh, the minute a guy goes off in the Super Bowl, the the most wholesalers are just going to start raising the price on that stuff. So um, th- that's kind of we saw that with Jeremy Lin. That oh nine oh ten stuff wasn't selling, I don't think, or I can't remember. It was that year, the year after. It might be ten eleven, uh, and then all of a sudden Jeremy went, Lin went off, and that stuff skyrocketed in price, and it was gone. Uh, so uh, that that's just what happens. Um, you know, to get through this this patch. You know, I've gotten my brother put up an article about opening a card store, and I've gotten emails all the time about opening a card store. And I'm always, I don't try to be rude on, on the, uh, to them, but I try to be as clear as possible. It's a really bad idea. It's a really bad idea, not just to open up a card store, but it's a bad idea to open up pretty much any retail store. Um, you know, very few of them succeed. Very, very few. Um, and it you know the the establishments you I can think of off the top of my head, like family run type stuff that survives is certain restaurants, although that 's a really tricky business, but certain restaurants and certain eating establishments and like jewelry stores and pawn stores and stuff like that those have Those seem to be in the same spot and haven't moved in a while. But uh, card stores have come and gone. Little baby boutiques and furniture stores and all that other stuff has come and gone. Um, So donut stores is another one. Like that wraps up into food. But I often see donut stores be around for a long time. Even if they're like kind of – out here in California, they can be kind of grungy and run down. and They're still open and people go in there maybe because they have good coffee or good donuts. I don't know. But uh, I seem to see those around quite a bit. Um, so I try to be clear to people. If you want to open up a card store, it's probably a bad idea. You probably want to get into like a parallel field. Get into, you know, if you don't like the gaming, you know, Yu Gi Oh!, Pokemon, I think people, uh, Magic, I think people get the wrong perception. I did a little bit of that. I, I was a very time when I had a card store, it was very tiny. I ended up like, Maybe a hundred square feet, not even that, devoted to sports cards. The rest was um, sports items, fan collectibles, things like that. Stuff that does sell, you know. Even when I closed, I was able to liquidate a lot of it on eBay because it still was, you know, stuff was selling. I think it was even around the holiday times. Um, so, and I was selling more often on eBay, or I was selling as much, selling quite a bit on eBay at that time. You can move that stuff in and out. Um, especially hot times, Barry Bonds was hitting home runs. You could sell his memorabilia pretty good, and um, you know Super Bowls and stuff like that, and playoff time. People get really excited about their teams. But the the key is is you know o- opening. You know if you don't want gaming, if you don't, I think again, I think people get the misconception. Whenever I've been into stores where there's been a ton of ton of kids, I call them kids just because I'm a little bit older, but a lot of them are. You know, not that much younger than me. Some of them might even be my age or a little bit older. And they're in there. It's not like screaming and kids, you know, throwing popcorn all over the place. They're intelligent, uh, intelligently playing these games of strategy. You know, it's kind of like walking into like a poker room at a casino. You know, it's not quite that quiet um, or that quite serious. But um, it has the same—you know—you have people playing cards essentially, and so um, it's not that bad of an environment. And typically, if you don't want to do it, if you if you can somehow network in your area before you open or right when you launch your store, find some kids in your area or find a group in your area. I know even like Magic the Gathering can help you. Um, by because they have email lists and, and and promotions that they can send out to certain groups of people, I believe they can say, "Hey, this new store is opening up in in whatever town in the u s you know go check them out or whatever i 'm sure they can do things for you to help you out um, that 's the one thing i 've noticed about the industry summit. It seemed the the uh, presentations i 've uh, been been a part of not a part of but that i 've sat in and listened to. Um, from Magic the Gathering and Wizards of the Coast um, type products, is they've they've always been like, hey, we'll help you out. We we can do this for you. We have these kind of packets, and and this is how you run a tournament, and and all that, and this is how we get you organized so you run a professional tournament. They'll help you out because it's on it's their benefit too, and. Um, you need a lot of, uh, you need a lot of square footage though. You know, if you want to run a, the, the stores I know of that run successful gaming operations where they literally have 40, 50, 60 heads running in there on certain days of the week and they always have people in there almost all the time, maybe playing one on one or buying some new cards or whatever, just talking to other collectors. They have pretty big stores. And They have you know eight, nine, ten, or more tables sitting out, pretty long kind of picnic style tables sitting out, um, where kids are playing, gaming, and things like that. So I would, that's risky because any kind of anytime you're getting into the thousand, two thousand, three thousand square foot type retail place, it's it's expensive no matter where it is, whether it's in Middle America or in you know Orange County or whatever. You know it's going to be expensive, so you, you're going to want to know what you're doing. If you you might want to start small, and if it's like, man, I got all this excitement, and kids are standing outside and they can't play, um, then you might want to move up. There's there should be plenty of retail unless you're in like a really posh like uh, you know Pebble Beach or something. Uh, or bel-air there should be retail space all over the place i know in my town it is there's empty retail all over the place even as we're getting into the biggest shopping day of the year um so those are some things you want to think about if you don't want to get into gaming there's other parallels there that you can get into um, you, uh, like coins, gold and silver is, is the one that goes off the top of my head. It's really not that hard if you're like, oh, I don't want to get into gold and silver. It's really not that hard to figure out the gold and silver market or even the precious gems, diamonds, those kind of things. It's not that, you, you know, you probably want to have a gold expert on call. Kind of like those Pawn Star guys. They are always calling. Those guys are really knowledgeable. The dad and uh, the son, he, all even Chumley to a certain extent. They're all knowledgeable about certain things and and maybe a broad range of things. But they're always willing to call. Some, I mean, that's part of the show too. But they're always. Well, they even have a baseball card guy down there in Las Vegas that comes in and looks at baseball or, or memorabilia and stuff like that. Um, because some of these really unique items are kind of tough but gold and silver there's not a whole lot of uniqueness you probably want to figure out counterfeit coins um and how to test for those it's really not too difficult especially on more modern bullion and stuff like that um that's a great parallel field and not that gold and silver doesn't go down and up and and it isn't manipulated right now and all this stuff uh, and i could have a whole show why i've bought i bought some silver and some gold Recently, um, but the and it could keep going down. It could go up. Who knows? It's probably not. It's really not that great of an investment. It's not. I don't even think it's a good, good investment. But I think it's something good to buy and sell because there's always kind of a, a way to wholesale it off. There's always a buyer for it um, at a certain price. Probably not good to accumulate unless you really know the times to accumulate it. There are certain times you can accumulate silver and gold and, and obviously see the price shoot up very quickly. Um, but if you're not privy to that, you probably want to be more like a gold trader. like these pawn, Why haven't pawn shops closed that much? Because the, they have a whole loan system and stuff like that. And if you open up a card sub, you'll realize, man, there's a lot of credit. There's a lot of loaning. You don't want to do it with certainly every customer or even your... Even customers that come in a lot, but you'll realize there are some very, very good customers you have that, hey, if you stretch them $50 here and there, it's not that big of a deal. Um, But you want to know what kind of job they have. You want to be very – you know, you want to have talked hours with this person before you send anybody credit, uh, especially – you don't want to ever go too deep with them uh, because you want to cut them off. You know, you're like a bartender. You're like a, a, a casino. Casinos don't cut you off, but a, a good bartender will cut you off. If if uh, you're extending credit to a customer, cut them off after a certain point. That's really a good, good thing to do uh, in the long run. They'll respect that when they sit back later and think, man, I'm glad he, he kept me under 300 or kept me from doing a whole nother case. Um, so. You know, I, I hope I've expl- I hope you've got my point over the last maybe five, ten minutes here. Is you wanted, to, if you want to open up a card store, you can't just open up a card store unless it's like hundred square foot, hundred fifty square foot, at like a dollar, maybe two dollars a square foot. But you got to realize, you know, I could have a whole nother show talking about the ancillary expenses that go along with running a business. You have all these other, you you put them on paper and you think you have it all planned out and just times it by 2 because there's all these other things you have losses you have you know you have to donate to something and and all this other stuff, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. Um, you don't have to do it, um, in certain environments, but you, and you want to try to avoid all that stuff, but it always sneaks up on you every month, or, or a, you'll have a big month where you have a big expense, or a window broken, something. I mean, stuff happens. You know, you have a kid, you have a guy lean on your cases. I've been in a, I've worked in a car shop where a guy come in, lean on the cases. I wasn't there, but the whole thing shatters, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's a hundred, two hundred bucks. To replace the glass on that stuff, and if you're running at such a th- razor-thin margin uh, on this sports card product, uh, as we've seen, tops baseball barely went up. If you bought it at wholesale and tried to sell it online or anywhere, you probably weren't going to make much of a profit because guys could have gone to on, looked online and seen it selling for a much lower price. They weren't going to buy it in your store for the full price. So it's a tough market. Baseball cards are tough. The margins are razor thin. Razor razor thin. That's why gaming's a little bit better because you don't have those rich owners that run the NFL and run the MLB and run the the sports leagues. Those guys are rich for a reason. They can spend 500 million dollars on a football team and it's not even what they do. Like these the guy that just bought the Sacramento Kings. You know, I mean, I know most people say, oh, Shaq's an owner of the Kings and some of these other, the sleep train guys and owner of the Kings, they're not, they don't have any money. They have money. Shaq has money and the sleep train guy has money. But compared to the guy that actually owns, like, I can't even pronounce his name. He, it looks like a really good guy. I'm glad that he kept the team in Sacramento. It looks like a really cool guy. He's going to probably do a lot for the team, I think. Um, he's the one that's strapped up and can just blow a couple hundred million dollars. On a basketball team. Uh, you know, those guys are sophisticated businessmen. They, they try to never get on the wrong side of a deal. And the more and more money you get, the, you should never get caught on the wrong side of a deal, um, especially a big one. Um, and so licensing out all that they get—they get, they get so much money off the top of every product. And Panini's got to make money, and UPS and FedEx that ship all this stuff's got to make money. The printing, Panini and Tops don't even make the cards. They call up somebody else, a big public company that actually has money, and they call them. And say, hey, you got all the the million-dollar printer and the patented technology and all the capabilities, the wrapping and the distribution and boxing and and packaging and design. You can do all that. They call them up and they make them do it. So they got to take a cut. You know they do. So it's a bad business. And And we get down to the wholesalers. Then we wholesale this product out. And those idiots that sit in these big warehouses are probably not even that big, um you know, thousand square feet maybe they they get a cut, they have to get a cut, and on top of that, you have blowout cards that sells this stuff for the exact same price. you can buy it on buy it wholesale originally, so it's a really bad business. you don't want to get into this business. keep it a hobby if you want to open up a retail store and you want to have cards in there, you're going to have to expand your horizons. Again, unless it's like 100 square feet at a dollar a square foot where you're essentially renting, or you could do office space because in certain spots you can get you know, 200 square foot office space for 50 cents or 25 cents or depending on what neighborhood it is in. And you can run a more private type environment where there are jewelry dealers that kind of run on this as i was looking into jewelry and buying jewelry there are private more there you can't just walk into the store you need to call them on the phone set up an appointment then you go to their office and they have a display there they have their designer and all that crap and they do some of it there and some of it off-site and things like that um so That's not your mom and pop. You're not your mom and pop jewelry store. If you want like custom jewelry, you'll often find that you go into an office or you go into kind of a closed retail environment. You could do the same thing for sports cards, especially if you have nicer stuff. You might not want everybody just walking in. Again, I had a lot of, I lived, I, I had a business in what I would call, you know, I don't think any town out here in California is super safe. There are some, certainly in the very wealthy parts of town that are probably pretty safe uh wealthy parts of california that are pretty safe but um you're not immune to any of that um, so i was robbed all the time i had people break in two or three times I had people come into the store try to rob stuff um but i mean that happens that happens almost banks get robbed all the time so it's it's not something it's something you have to be aware of if you're going to go into a retail environment but um you know, if you take the precautions, it shouldn't be too big of a deal. But uh, to wrap up that point, you know, if you want to get into this business, you know, I, I highly encourage you guys to hustle other things. You know, when I was in business, like I said, I wasn't hustling; it was some cards, but it was I was hustling tickets at the time. I was hustling all kinds of fan items, and that stuff is really good. I ran into a really rough time in the economy, gas prices shot up, everybody's homes that they thought were worth millions or were going to be worth millions in a short period of time that they couldn't even afford anyways. Um, You know, we find this all out later, you know, as I'm, uh, you know, I had really good, I had uh, sustainable sales and I had ways that I was going to grow my business. And I think, you know, I had sales into the five figures for many, many months in a row. And then all of a sudden. It falls off a cliff and I, I find – I find out later the reasons for that, especially here in the Central Valley in California where we were the you – know, the, the, the top of the boom here and we, we fell all the way to the bottom. Um, so there were a lot of people that you know, shouldn't have been, should have been getting loans to buy homes and they had flexible interest rates. You know, It's a whole long – there's some good books out there actually that explain the whole thing. So I don't feel too – I don't feel too bad. I feel like, OK, in a more normal environment, um, you certainly can, can sustain sales for, for a decent enough time and have good days like around holidays or, or Super Bowls or when football starts and stuff like that um, that you can do well. But you're working really hard. You're do you're you're really hustling. You're you're out there, you know, trying to find the next deal. You sell through some product that did well. You can't reorder it, or it's a, a different price, and so you got to move on. So it's not a not an easy not an easy game. And I think my point here is just um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in, in the sports card business because there's not a lot of. If you look at the landscape, you're like, oh, I don't see a lot of top people or I don't see people dominating the market like you do in other fields, like in the pet industry or in other industries, sunglasses or other kind of apparel industries. You don't see the dominant players necessarily outside of the manufacturers and maybe some of the the bigger online retail places, but they're not that many and it's not like they they weren't. They had. They, it's not like they've been huge for a long period of time outside of you know tops really, um, and we've seen manufacturers go up and down, upper deck and and plenty go out of business, Pacific and Donruss and and uh, Score and all these other ones and Leaf even um, have all kind of gone up and down. So it's it's not obviously if those guys aren't aren't making that much money and kind of going in and out of business, you sure as hell believe that just a sports card store is a really really risky business, but. You know, if you're willing to make it work, again, it's it's a lot of hard work. You're going to want to sell online. I would encur- What I would encourage you to do is get to some sustainable online sales. Get to where you do 12 months or 24 months of consistent sales where it's like, okay, over the course of 12 months, I average these amount of sales, this amount of profit. So I can take a portion of that and put it into a business and still eat just in case this business eats eat some money for a couple months or even a year. Um, you still have some income on the side. That would be ideal. Um, not ideal. Ideally, you'd want you know a couple million dollars and be retired on a beach. But if you need to work, um, have some online sales. And I've talked about this on the show. Don't be on the show before. Like, Don't be scared to get in those kind of boring businesses, those su- sports card supply businesses where you're not – Gonna, you're not gonna drive an S500 Mercedes just selling sports card supplies, but there's if you can build up a customer base there, build up an email list, build up some promotions or some way you can promote it, uh, preferably for free um you know hey then then there you go then there's some consistent sales of a product that doesn't change doesn't really depreciate doesn't take a genius to kind of order and and pack and ship that kind of stuff because it's all the same you know with certain cards there's different variations you can't really hire your little cousin or your little brother to do that but he could tell the difference between a 200 count box and a 500 count box it's right there on the front of the uh, front of the thing you know what i mean so um don't be scared to get into those really consistent just kind of churn it out little dollar here dollar here dollar here kind of businesses um you do have to you know it's it's not going to be you're not going to be capable of sus- like scaling that up it, again like into an S500 type lifestyle or a Tesla automobile <laughs> That might catch on fire uh, if you run over, like, a trailer hitch. But you might not be able to get to that kind of lifestyle, but it's good, consistent income. It brings in customers. If they're buying supplies, they'll probably check out some of the other stuff that you have and maybe combo up some orders. So it's a really good cross-sale. And the other way around, if you have guys buying cards from you, they'll certainly maybe buy a pack of soft sleeves or a top loader maybe to top, top off an order and stuff like that. So you know there's lots of lots of things you can sell the sports licensed memorabilia and collectibles is huge and there's even stuff like keychains like uh, you know like just like sports card supplies don't really depreciate don't really change in value that much you know key logoed keychains stickers you know people always want a new sticker on their car or you know not maybe some of the ugly bumper stickers but some of the cool like like uh, makes it look like it's, uh, you know, blasted, you know, some of that, uh, the white stickers that are kind of, they're kind of nice to have on your truck or your car or whatever it is, or even like a window or on your computer or something like that. People are always looking for those. And I know teams change logos and they they leave cities and stuff like that, but it doesn't happen often enough to where as long as all your inventory wasn't in that team, you're going to be fine. And those are steady little sellers. I remember selling Tons of stickers on on eBay, like just tons of stickers, and you can just throw them in an envelope and boom, fifty cents. Um, usually, what I did is just added the cost of shipping into the sticker. The stickers cost you anywhere from a dollar. The really small stickers under a dollar. Um, usually, you could you could run them out on eBay for a dollar twenty-five or something. Um, for one, you could lot them up, two lot, three lot. You could create little um, – another thing that I did and I see other eBay sellers do and I don't see many people doing this is you can combine things, like bundle things together. Like if you have a Giants keychain and you have a Giants towel and a Giants whatever, you can combine it or do like a little golf set. Maybe you have a Giants golf towel or a Bengals golf towel and you have some Bengals tees and some Bengal logo golf balls you know bundle them together then you 've already you 've created your own little package there you could charge if no one else on eBay is is bundling it like that, you could charge um, a little price, maybe even put it maybe even find a little basket at a ninety nine cents score or something like that and and put it in there and make it look all cute and stuff you know um, there's lots of different things you can do there's even like on the home I even see guys do um you know they'll get the little little uh you know Celtics charm or whatever and they'll weave a little a green and black little uh, lanyard thing so you can wear it or put it in your pocket or whatever you know there's lots of different things you can do you want to get creative You know, hunt around on eBay, see other people that might be trying these kind of things, see how you can package it up maybe a little bit differently, add your own little twist to it, and then you can add a little markup there. That's where you could add a little, you know, instead of just selling one item, one sticker for a dollar or whatever, sell the sticker and something else and something else, and then you can add a little markup and put put a little bow on it and charge, you know, a dollar for that too. There's lots of different things you can do, and you want to get creative. Again, it, that all takes time. It takes effort. It t- it's a lot of work. You know, take it from somebody that has gone through all that. I did that from, you know, I was in college from, uh, you know, two thousand all the way to when I opened my shop and stuff and closed it. You know, I was doing all this online stuff and doing stuff like that all the time. It's, you know, it's a constant. It's a constant grind. So if you if you're hearing from somebody that says it's probably not worth it, there are definitely certainly better ways, you know, to make money. I got lucky because I saw the stock market crash to like essentially zero, and int- I saw interest rates go to negative, which is something that is like beyond thought, kind of. Especially when you when I was studying business too right before that and finance. You know, the thought of interest rates going to negative was like really weird and like that's something you didn't even really talk about in class. Um, But, you know, and now the stock market's like all time high and it's shot up like a straight arrow since then. So and, you know, I haven't done, you know, all you need to do is have an E-Trade account or a Schwab account and put some money in there and. You, at the time i invested you didn't have to be very intelligent you didn't have to know what you were doing it was all so low and so oversold and everybody was so scared that uh you know it's gone up 100 200 300 percent you know if you don't have investments that you bought in 08, 09 that haven't gone up a thousand percent then you probably bought the wrong stuff um so there's easier ways to make money is what I'm trying to say. But if you want to um, – you know, I don't regret part of uh, what I always tell people, especially friends of mine that want business advice or, or thinking about doing this, thinking about doing this, thinking about doing this. I always tell them don't be scared to get into it and fail. Now, financially, you want to cut yourself off at some point, which basically what I did with my store. I saw gas prices rising. I literally saw I had two years where I never had a zero day. I never had a day where I didn't sell at least one thing, and it was often several you know even two, three hundred dollars was a low, low day. you know usually it was four or five, six hundred dollars, sometimes a thousand dollars on the weekends or towards paydays. and then all of a sudden, it went off like a cliff, and I had months where I didn't even sell you know four or five hundred dollars worth of stuff in the in the store, and oftentimes it was just kind of petty like. Like uh, people coming in and buying something just for the heck of it, not because they really had the money. Um, So, you know, you really um, you really want to be careful. Stuff like that can happen. And if you're in these kind of business environments, it's it's really rough. I got to say it's really rough, Um, but you got to cut yourself off. I said, wow, I can't do this. I can't keep going like this because if it keeps going for another, it would have kept going for another year or two. And some people held on and, you know, you're going to get mountains of debt if you if you tried to hold on from 08, 09, unless you sold like gas or something like that. There's some businesses certainly um, that held on. Gold and silver, certain restaurants that had quality food. I think with the the invention of Yelp or the emergence of a site like Yelp, it certainly helped businesses out here in California. I noticed Really good food places have gotten, when I go into them, they're more and more crowded um, because they have amazing ratings on Yelp. And that's how a lot of people discover good food, at least out here in California. Anyways, last thing I want to talk about is this Breakers.TV. When I wrote this down, they had just this guy that does Vaughn Live, I think – Saw people started using a site for this, uh, for group breaking. And so now he, he segmented you off. You got to now go to breakers.tv. And this was like a couple of weeks ago when I first wrote this down. It had just happened. And it's the third time, you know, people might have started out on Blog TV or whatever that one was called. And now that, one, that got bought by some company and they're gone. And now you're going to Vaughn Live. You went to Vaughn Live and he decided. I don't know his his motivation. I don't know if he's made it public or if he's talked about it openly. I don't know. I don't know the guy um, that runs a site or whatever. I think he, he just – these group breakers just kind of stumbled onto a site, and, and now he's segmenting you off into breakers.tv, which is a good idea. I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, but what is going to happen, I think – I don't know this for sure. I've never – I've worked in the live streaming business – uh, for like four months but so i don 't know this for a fact but i've i 've set up uh, i don 't know how many websites I have now and i 'm helping other people and i don 't know it's it 's a big number I get go goDaddy renewal you know when you get goDaddy renewals like almost every it, literally every week almost seems like every day that uh, probably gone a little too far but uh I could have maybe a show on that maybe I need to cut back. Uh, breakers. TV you know what is he gonna do with your traffic now maybe he's gonna sell this site to somebody else that maybe that's his his strategy maybe he's gonna get you maybe he's gonna analyze the traffic and get you on a subscription model or have a pro version or maybe it's not gonna work that well I've seen I don't I saw complaints early on that it wasn't good I'm, I haven't been glued to my uh, breakers. TV or my Twitter stream to see how things are going now but I can imagine it's you know it's a free site. So um, there's only so much you can do there, and um, I just think that at some point you're going to switch again. And so here's like, I think Blog TV got sold like in March or something, and or before that, or they made their transition in March or or April, something like that. It's like what you know, you're gonna in in a year's time, you're gonna go to your fourth site. And though all those sites have your customers' data, and do you though do you have their email addresses do you you know do you have them opted into an email email list? Do you have uh ways to contact them uh when you switch sites and email like a hundred people three hundred people four hundred five hundred a thousand people to say hey i've I've gone through three streaming sites, and now I'm on to my fourth one." Because Breakers t v either doesn't work or he's you got to pay nine ninety nine a month now or you gotta do this, or you can only stream this much um, because a webmaster is only going to leave a site up if if guy sure if guy uh, it looks like his monetization method is just Google ads, and if people are clicking on those enough and it's whatever, and he's making a little bit of profit or he's breaking even and maybe collecting email addresses on top of that i don't, I don't know what his motivation is um but if he's even if he's only paying seventy five dollars a month for the server and, and all this stuff and he's only making thirty dollars a month on all the ads, then you know he's losing forty dollars a month. Doesn't sound like a lot, but you know over the course of the year you're looking four five 600 bucks, and that's like a whole month's rent or that's like groceries for a whole month. Um, And so, eventually, as a webmaster, you sit back. You might not do it right away. A lot of lot of webmasters just let things roll, and if you lose money for a little while, you come back and revisit it later. Um, But you you can't let it roll forever and just lose lose double digit money. Um, So I don't know if he's making money or he's losing money or or what his motivation is. But chances are you're going to have to switch again or some other tech, some other. Streaming site will come on that will be a better value or be you know worth paying for or worth because it's free. It's a little bit better technology. There's all kinds of video encoding. Amazon is working on ways to include that into their back end on their Amazon Web Services. And all these other technology, all these other uh, cloud you know, servers and hosting places will do the same thing at some point. Eventually, you're just going to be able to call up your your own server, your any other, you know, Bluehost, uh, HostGator to anybody, and they're going to have, like, kind of a streaming package for you. Or Google ex- will expand their little Google Plus thing, Google Hangouts or whatever. They'll expand that to more people. You know, a big company will just give that away for free, and you'll end up moving on to them. Um, but in the meantime, you haven't really... Um, treated your customers very good because, you know. Imagine if, imagine if one week on this podcast you could only listen to it, or for you could you can't listen to it on iPhones, or you could one day I put it out. I, I don't know. Maybe the podcast reference isn't good, but if I maybe my my website SportsCard Radio, one day it's SportsCardRadio.com, and then a couple months later I say I'm going to rename the site to NBAHoops.com. And then a little while later, I'm like, oh, no, I want to change it to sportscardtalkradio.com. And I kept switching my domain, kept switching, switching, switching. I probably wouldn't have, <laughs> you know, many people that people would follow me, but I'd probably lose plenty along the way. Uh, so that's my point there is that find a, find a reliable streaming site that you control, that you have full control over. Or that you pay a little bit per month, and it's kind of uh, you know they're they're taking that money, investing it in their own technologies, and making the service better, or they turn off ads or whatever it is, or you know people are comfortable going to that site, they're familiar with a UStream or something like that. Yeah, you know, pay a little bit of money. If you can't, it should be a big red flag to you as consumers out there. If your group breaker can't afford a hundred bucks a month. On a streaming service, or two hundred bucks, or three hundred bucks a month, they're not making—they're not making any money. Like you know, I—I I, I know lots of webmasters. We talk, we communicate. I, I have a, a circle that I'll—I I'll, trust and I talk to, and I communicate with. I know guys that spend ten thousand dollars in a day on a website. Let alone in a whole year. These guys are doing it in one day. $15,000 campaigns one day. Every day for the whole month as a test. So if, if, if you can't afford to spend a couple hundred bucks on a website... I don't know what to say. I could see why you're using a free option, free option that switches, free option that boots you, free option that boots you. Because again, I worked in the live streaming business before, or I worked for a company that had a, a live streaming component to their business. It made, at that time, it was like a $10 million business. Um, they weren't opening sports cards. Trust me. Uh, last thing, I don't know. I, You know, I think to round up for today, two points, two points, one to kind of summarize things, you know, we got weak baseball, weak football, weak basketball for at least, you know, eight to 12 months here, not 12 months, but probably six to eight months here till we cycle around to new rookies in football, new rookies in basketball, new baseball coming out, you know, twice a month, baseball playing and all that stuff. It's really exciting towards, you know, next year. If you can't survive during November, December, January, February, March, all the way into April, that's not good. That's a lot of months. So if all you're doing is relying on sports cards for your income, I would bet that you're not going to make it unless you're already churning it out. If you're trying to come up in this game, lay low for these next couple of months. Just study the game. Sell up a couple of products here. Maybe build up some relationships. You can always give things away for free for a while and it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, a $2 autograph card. You know, if you're shipping this stuff out every week, you know, people will get excited and they'll come back and come back and come back. Or if you give away, you know, 10 $2 autograph cards. You know, it's not that much money. Get their email address. Build up a relationship with them. Send them a newsletter where you're not just... Selling them something every time, and build up a relationship. And then when we come back into April, March, April, May, when we get NFL draft, NBA draft, and we get all that that hype before they even play, that's when you start. You know, you start pre-selling, or you start getting guys on a subscription for the whole year. You get them to pre-order this product, get them to buy it when it's hyped up before these guys even play. You don't have to sell all your product, but sell a portion of it. That's why blowout cards is somewhat successful because they, they pre-sell a lot of it at a, a certain markup To uh, they have an email list. I mean, the, the website started out as an email list. That was like the only way you could order and figure things out. It was all on an email list basically. And he's built up, I don't know how many emails that guy has, but it's, it's probably a huge number. So you can send that out and a certain percentage will get open and a certain percentage will click through and buy or it will remind somebody to go to his website and buy. And if you don't have that, you know, that's not good. That, that's not good. You want to you want to develop that, and why we're in a weak season here. You don't necessarily you can build all that up without selling anybody anything or even giving anything away. But you can accelerate that by giving you know a couple bucks here, a couple bucks here, um, either every day or a couple you know a couple times a week, or every week. And so when we get into this hot stuff, this basketball is going to be lightning hot next year, football with Johnny Manziel and the there's wide receivers, there's running backs. There's just there's the you know, the top 10 picks of next year's NFL draft are going to look like gods compared to this last year. So you want to get through this this time, even though we're in the holiday season, this stuff isn't you know, there's there's cooler gifts and there's gifts people more people want than cards and memorabilia and autographs and stuff, so wade through this year, wade through it, you know. Stay afloat, cut your costs back. If you got to get a job for six months, I can't tell me how many jobs I had. I never. The only job I did for over one year was ref basketball. I did that when I was young, and it was fun. It was cool. It was just a couple hours, couple days a week. I could handle it. It was no big deal. It was good job. Taught me a lot. So, but I had a lot of jobs where I just would do them for a couple months. And it's like, cool, I've made a little bit of money. It got me through a time where, you know, I was always selling stuff online and it was like, cool. I got through that little rough pot, patch where there was no football or no baseball or this happened. And so I can get through it and I quit and, and go back to doing my own thing. Um, you know, get through this time. This is going to be a rough time. And I warned everybody back when – before these rookies even started playing, you could tell. Don't buy into the hype from the manufacturers and the people selling this stuff. You know, you just got to look at it from an objective sports fan that, you know, it was clear as day that the football was going to be weak, barely selling for over wholesale cost. And basketball is going to be even worse since they had to get they're giving away last year's basketball. They have to do Damian Lillard promotions and and they have to do all these uh, VIP national promotions and and stuff like that to move this stuff and Black Friday promotions to move this basketball. And had a double rookie class. It has Anthony Davis and, and Kyrie Irving and 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 lots of other guys in there. And that stuff didn't sell. So you better believe uh, you know when. Anthony Bennett is the number one pick. It's not going to move. Last thing, last, last p- piece of business advice is: don't be scared to pivot your business, especially right now. Like if you're group breaking and you're doing all this stuff, and you're like, man, I'm not making a profit on this. I'm spending hours. Breaking this stuff, or if you if you got a sport, even it'd be worse if you had a sports card shop. But if you're selling stuff online and it's not moving, or if you're selling on Check on My Cards and it's not flying out the door or whatever, and you're not making huge profit, you know, don't be scared to pivot your business or or you know start a little little secondary business. Say, hey, I'm going to keep this on the side. Maybe spend a little less time on it, but. Get, get more into this or i see this as a hot market so i'm going to get into this you know football last year and the last couple of years have been hot so i don't blame group breakers popping up all over the place because you could you could buy a box 90 dollars wholesale and piece it out by the team and make 300 dollars a box and open 12 of them and yeah you've made some real profit after you know several hours of work um And you got to go through it again to make that money again. You got to go through that whole process again. And that product's got to be there for the same price and people got to be willing to buy it. Um, But now that we're into kind of a softer market, you know, we don't see a new group breaking website. You know, they're popping up, but it's not to the rate, uh, you know, certainly as businesses start to, I wouldn't call it mature, but as they start to cycle maybe through their life cycle, um, you know, we see the entrance become a little bit less and the people staying in i've even seen guys that were quote big and i shouldn't say anything about them and blah 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 they're gone they're oh i'm selling all my cards or i they haven't tweeted in in three months or their website's gone and there's nothing on it you know if they had one but anyways don't be scared to pivot your business or you know a pivot is different than setting up something small and keeping it there a pivot is a total change that's basically what i did i owned a store did online did all that and then saw the economy crash and said this is this sucks i don't want to be on i don't want to build this back up again and go through all this again i'm going to pivot i'm going to go to just the web do websites invest in the stock market do stuff that is just where i have full control i have a, a big control over it and it's not some boss paying me and all that it's, it's going to be me. Um, and you know, you want to, that was a big, big pivot for me. It took me a year, a year, two years to really get that. You know, sometimes it takes a while. My bit, my best example to everybody, all my friends, um, from the ones that don't graduate college to the ones that do, everybody knows Netflix and everybody has some experience with Netflix I remember when Reed Hastings, who, owned, who I think founded the company, he's the CEO of the company, he got on a conference call one day when the stock's doing pretty good. This was years ago. Stock's doing good. Everybody's you know, thinking, hey, Netflix, pretty cool, pretty cool. You know, He said on a conference call one time, in a couple years, we're barely going to be doing any DVD through the mail. We're going to be doing it all streaming online. And boom, his stock just tanked, and it, it went down for a while and got all the way down. And then finally, everybody realized a year or two ago that, oh, man, that, that was actually a really, really uh, profit-type uh, like outlook. He was exactly right. Now they get almost all their money from uh, live streaming, and they're partnering with, uh, I don't own any shares in Netflix, never have. So I haven't benefited from this run-up and run-down either way. Um, but I, I found, I find that example really good because here's a guy who had a great business. He was killing it, selling out, sending these DVDs out for nine ninety a month. They were killing it. They were making money. And then all of a sudden he said, Oh, right, we're going to do live streaming now. And we're barely going to do any of these DVDs because that's where the market's going. The market hadn't gotten there yet, but he saw it before it happened. And that's what you need to do with this football. That's why I got on in the preseason and said this year's football is going to suck. I'm pretty sure I said this year's basketball is going to suck. So you've got to pivot away from it then. Now you're getting – hopefully you have already have realized it and realized it's not going to sell for what last year's did or what 2011 did or even 2010 did. It sucks, but this is what happens in football all the time. I saw Reggie Bush come out in 2006, and then I remember there were some bad years in football, and I saw LeBron James in 03 and 04, and it basically like put me in business for the next 10 years. Not 10 years, but five or six years. I mean, that's how good that year was. That's why you want to be around. If you blow all your money now and blow it all through this product and get burnt out, and say, ah, oh, I can't make any money. Well, you're going to miss next year, which should be really good. On paper right now, it's looking great. And if these guys come out and play a little bit, certainly in the NBA, football, it's a crapshoot. These guys could blow out their knee. They could get a concussion. They could get iced out by the coach. or could, They could get drafted to the wrong team. They could play a tough schedule, whatever. Football's a crapshoot. But basketball, it's pretty much guaranteed. If you're drafted number one and you're a superstar in college, you're not Anthony Bennett or some of these other guys or even Michael Carter Williams or Contavious Caldwell Pope or the guy on uh, Orlando or whatever, Victor Oladipo. These guys didn't average 20 in college. They weren't even capable of making 20 shots in college. They're not going to do it in the NBA. There's guys now in college that are capable of scoring 20 every night in college. So you better believe... They, they, they'll average 15, 16, 17 points. They have the capability to average that. I don't know if they average, if, if you average 20 in college, it's not like you're going to come to the NBA and average 20. But if you can average 15, 16, 17 as a number one pick, you're going to be a superstar, like no doubt. At least that first year. Look at Tyreek Evans and what happened there. But um, you got to stay in business got to be willing to either put your business on hold or well, I wouldn't necessarily put it on hold. I would just try to maintain a presence in the community even if it's not to what you were doing last year or what you were hoped to be doing. Just hang around. And if the profit's not there, don't try to invent it or create it. That's what, we, that's what, what happened with those raffles is guys were trying to invent profit that wasn't there anymore. That's why you see that kind of crap go on that's how you you know <laughs> that's how bad things happen that's why I get on here and pretty emphatically tell people not to do it but we don't need to relive any bad memories for some people one one a bad memory for me that about wraps it up for today folks I hope you guys are all doing well thanks for hanging in for an hour here And I hope I entertained you at portions. You know, this is not an Emmy-winning production or a movie or a $20 million movie or even a video game. Um, So I hope for the hour we at least entertained you a little bit or provided some background noise to whatever you might be doing. We'll be back again. I have a collector that I want to bring on. And um he's shown some interest to come on too, so that's good. And we'll uh I'll coordinate that and come back here shortly. I am going out of town, so there might be another gap. But you guys you guys know the deal here. Uh most of you guys know the deal. If there's not a show for a month or two, um it's usually either one I'm traveling, two I'm not feeling well. That was kind of the I mean I spent I'm at the age where like all my friends are getting married. So I spent two weeks in Reno and Vegas almost back to back and that almost put me on my, put me six feet under. So <laughs> realized I'm not 21 anymore and I'm actually 31. So I probably should, uh, should, uh, drink some water, I guess in between you know the problem with vegas is you go there you know people have problems getting drinks and stuff like that if you're you know some casinos are either crowded or have poor service once you get your first drink tip the girl good you know three five dollars whatever give her a five dollar chip you know and do it for a little while she'll just bring them to you after a while and that's what was happening to me because i was like i didn't want to drink anymore but there she you know there she is with another one i didn't even order it and it just it just is there and it appears and it's like what are you going to do So, you know, if you want to control your drinking, you probably should only tip like a dollar, or tip not. You shouldn't tip nothing, but only tip a dollar. But if you want to keep going in Vegas and going and going and going, just tip big, and they'll just keep bringing them to you, and you don't have to worry about ordering them. And even the next shift, the girl on the next shift will come right over and take care of you. So, anyways, my last little Vegas tip for you there. Hopefully, you guys are all doing well. in your collections and, and everything again, it, it, I mean, I speak a lot about business here and only because like I said, we got weak football week, rookie what am I going to get on here and talk about tops, Chrome football and pin this and that. And the other when it sucks, when it, when in, in three months, eight months, 12 months, it's going to be at a $20 price, $20 lower. And if you buy eight of them, you'll be able to get a Damien Willard rookie. I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, you should wait you should just not buy it. No one's going to tell you, you know, there's a reason why, you know, you get, if you get on Twitter or other quote media around the hobby, there's, there's not many people saying, don't buy it. Don't, don't buy this. Don't buy this. (laughs) You know, you don't buy it. Don't buy the football right now. Don't buy the basketball right now. Wait until next year's wait until they run some kind of promotion. It runs down in price or wait until next year's draft comes out. Nobody cares about these guys anymore. Nobody cares that Michael Carter Williams scored 20 points in October. They're just going to care about Jabari Parker and all these other guys that actually are good and actually averaged 20 points in college and not 10 in like 40 minutes. So, I mean, let's be real. Don't buy this crap. If you're out there listening to the show, don't buy this football. Don't buy unopened. I'm not telling you not to buy. If you like Geno Smith, if you like Bernard, and you like some of these rookies, and you believe in them, go ahead. I'm not going to tell you not to buy them online or buy them from your friends or buy them from the store, but don't buy an unopened box. It's going to go down in price, or they're going to run some kind of pack promotion for it, or it's going to run down, you know, it's just going to sit there. You'll be able to get a box two years from now, three years from now. So that's my message for everybody today. Don't buy anything because we're getting into the the biggest shopping day of the year. Save your money. Buy other stuff. There's other cool stuff to buy right now. And not that that stuff, you know, like a phone or a gadget or whatever it is doesn't depreciate in value. But this football card stuff is. And if you get nothing in the box, then you get double hitted. So that's about all I have on today's show, folks. Hopefully you guys, again, are all doing well out there. Don't buy any of this stuff and don't open a card store. That's my message for today. Sorry for it being – that's not a negative thing. It's just to get you to think about this stuff. Think about it before you do it. Think about kind of the long-term perspective. I'm trying to build long-term collectors here because if you guys blow all your money this year and you open it all up and you're like, oh, man, I have all these – I spent – You know, this amount of money and all these cards aren't worth anything because all these new rookie, everybody's paying attention to all these rookies. So I got to do it all over again. Just save your money and buy three times as much next year, twice as much next year. You pay a little bit more. The stuff isn't going to come out at wholesale prices, but maybe you should pre-order a little bit. Buy it when it, you know, right when it first comes out, if you think it's going to be hot. But right now, don't buy it especially when it first comes out, because this stuff sucks. And uh, not that the games suck. NFL has been great. NBA has been wonderful. Can't, I mean, that's another reason why we haven't had a podcast. The NBA is just addicting every night. Um, so that about wraps it up. Thanks again for everybody tuning in. We'll be back shortly. We are out of here.